Welcome to the Cardboard Herald Reviews, where we give you audio versions of our game reviews, then go behind the scenes of our creative process. Terraforming Mars, designed by Jacob Frixelius, published by Stronghold Games and Frix Games in 2016, one to five players, 90 to 120 minutes. Review written by Jack Eddy and published on CardboardHerald.com on July 11th, 2017. They tell you not to judge a book by its cover, but what about a game? With Terraforming Mars, I took one look at the box and knew it was for me. The industrial palette, the brilliant artwork, hell, even the font was captivating. Unfortunately, once I unpacked its aggressively mediocre components, my heart braced for disappointment. But as it turns out, Terraforming Mars is at its core as beautiful and wondrous as its cover suggests, a game that blends deep systems with a rich and original theme so well that it may be the most immersive strategy game I've ever played. How to Make a Planet Perhaps I seek certain utopian things, space for honor and respect, landscapes not yet offended, planets that do not exist yet, dreamed landscapes. Werner Herzog Each player is a rival corporation trying to convert Mars's desolate atmosphere to one that can sustain human life. While this seems like an excellent premise for a co-op, developing Mars is no friendly affair. This is a game about colonization, after all, and Mars is an untapped hotbed for economic growth. Each player starts with a unique power, giving them a slight focus as they begin to colonize and grow, and the game ends when the oxygen, temperature, and water levels of the planet have reached their limit. The corporation with the most points at the end claims industrial Martian supremacy and wins the game. The game's overall flow is simple. Rounds start with players drawing several cards and choosing which to keep, paying a few mega credits per card, and they alternate taking actions that will either develop the planet or further sculpt their engine, until all players have passed. There are a handful of actions that are always available so long as you got the goods to pay for them, but the real backbone of your vast Martian empire will come from your hand. The cards you play have a huge range of ongoing and one-time effects, such as increasing your resource production, further developing the planet, or offering you new and exclusive actions. Each time you take an action that increases the temperature, oxygen, or water on Mars, your corporation's terraforming rating goes up, a sort of measurement of industrious prestige that tracks both your points and mega credit production per turn. Players gain additional points at the end of the game through various cards, the cities and forests they place on the board, and the awards and milestones that were funded throughout the game. It's at this point that you'll survey the massive human achievement that each player took part in, transforming a lifeless wasteland into a thriving and verdant world, only to end up like middle schoolers on every group assignment ever, arguing over who did the most to take home the blue ribbon prize. The feel. To distill so specific a form from that chaos of unpredictability, Dr. Manhattan. 
with over 100 unique cards, independent production of six different resources, and many, many ways to develop the planet, Terraforming Mars is a veritable playground of options to explore. While this may sound tough to manage, there is a superb elegance to the game's design. The synergy between your cards, your corporations, and development of Mars feels intuitive. You rarely feel like you're at a loss for what to do to pursue your goals. Then, as the game goes on, you'll naturally lean into one or two resource types and strategies, and your corporation will evolve from a lumpy, wet-behind-the-ears generalist to a lean, mean economic machine. The range of specific and yet effective engines you can build is really astonishing. And for being in many ways a classic engine builder, the game manages to inject loads of player interactivity. Take for instance the awards and milestones, one of the most clever systems to spearhead competition that I've seen in a modern tabletop game. There are five of each and both must be founded during the game, costing precious money and actions. Milestones, which can be claimed when their conditions are met, are tiny races to have a giant hand or be the forest king. Spoilers, I'm always the forest king. Awards are more speculative as they determine their winner at the end of the game. Players have to gamble that they will end up with the most land on Mars or have the largest horde of mega credits. Ultimately, it's the thematic resonance throughout Terraforming Mars's many systems that truly make it so special. Mars is an expansive ecosystem where you really feel the mechanical and thematic impact of each action. Increasing your plant production allows you to place forests, which in turn make cities more valuable and raise oxygen levels, which then increase your corporation's government funding, broadening your options so you can continue to grow. The reward feedback and interconnectivity is astounding, and it really adds to the intuitive nature of the game, creating incredible immersion. It truly feels like you are terraforming a planet. Components. We Earthmen have a talent for ruining big, beautiful things. Ray Bradbury. Remember how I said I brace for disappointment when I opened the box? Yeah, the components were that off-putting to me. The resource tokens were garish, the player boards flimsy, and overall the color scheme could best be described as Disco Thanksgiving. It's not that the artwork is bad, although some people may find the real-life photography a turnoff. It's the overall aesthetic seems incongruent or ill-matching. The best comparison I can make is to edutainment video games from the early 90s, though even they still had more cohesive palettes. That said, the components are adequate and they do their job, and since the mechanisms resonate themes so well, it's easy to look past some of the stranger design choices. But it's the mere adequacy that bothers me. There has to be a better way to track six different resources than thousands of universal brass, silver, and gold cubes. In a world of outstanding components made with sturdy materials designed so that the game is more elegant, intuitive, and manageable, terraforming Mars falls short. In truth, I've settled into a state of resigned affection towards Disco Thanksgiving. I find it both bizarre and endearing, but the publishers really miss the opportunity to make an incredible game look as good as it feels. Solo games, now not a total pain. I'm a rocket man, burning up his fuse up here alone. Elton John and Bernie Toppin. Solo in Terraforming Mars is so good, it gets its own section in the review. In the solo game, you alone are responsible for terraforming the entire planet within a set number of turns. That's it. It's brilliantly simple. You don't have to manage a dummy player, you still have all the options at your disposal, and it requires virtually no additional upkeep between each turn. 
In a way, Solo and Terraforming Mars is a distillation of the best parts of the game, exploring the deep systems and crafting an incredibly efficient engine of economic supremacy. It is tense, fair, and brutally difficult. Between Scythe and Terraforming Mars, I will fondly remember 2016 as the year that I finally came around on Solo Gaming. Final Thoughts To boldly go where no one has gone before. Captain Jean-Luc Picard as intuitive as the themes and mechanics can be, it's important to stress that Terraforming Mars is denser than my wife's dark chocolate brownies. The game may sit solidly in the middleweight Euro camp by measures of game length and difficulty, but it is certainly not a casual affair. There are many people who find the sandbox nature of the game too freeing, preferring instead a more structured and guided experience. Furthermore, I really feel that it plays best at one to three players, as turns can occasionally be long with not much to do when it's not your turn. But if you enjoy exploring rich systems, love engine building, or have an affinity for the boardroom and space tone of Star Trek The Next Generation, I feel pretty confident that you will really like Terraforming Mars. It is a gripping, intense, and at times even exhausting experience that I'm thrilled to play again and again. All right, we finally made it to Terraforming Mars. And I gotta tell you, I just wrapped up the video and posted the video for my favorite games of 2017. I called it Critical Hits of 2017. You should actually go watch that. Go go and watch it and come back here and we'll, we'll talk. And I didn't do a 2016 game of 2017, but had I, it would have been Terraforming Mars, which also makes me a little bit of a liar during this review. No, 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 no. I, I stand by the review. Absolutely. I think it is very well written and thoughtful and speaks authentically in my voice. And we'll get back to that in just a second. But the uh, reason why I'm a liar is I mentioned that I'll fondly remember 2016 as the year that I fell in love with solo gaming, which is a load of crock because I didn't play Terraforming Mars until 2017. I got it as a birthday present, like Smeagol in his ring, except I didn't have to choke my buddy Dan in order to get this. He's just a very thoughtful friend who got me Terraforming Mars. How sweet is Dan? Man, what a good guy. But uh, yeah, uh, I didn't play this till 2017, but the game originally came out in 16. It was one of those hottest, latest, and greatest games that up here in Alaska isn't always the easiest thing to get as soon as it came out. Fortunately, the Cardboard Herald has grown uh, since then, and I am able to keep up with much more of the latest and greatest, newest hotness. One, because I'm diligently pursuing those games in order to get some coverage out on them. Uh, two, I'm building up relationships with publishers, and yeah, I get some review copies. And three, I'm going to conventions, so I'm making sure to seek out all these games, if not to buy, then at least to play. And I'm getting a lot more intake on all of these new games, so that way I can have these discussions like Critical Hits of 2017 video, which inevitably will have one in 2018. So, um, Solo. I was mentioning Solo. I, I still remember 
getting ready to review this game because I, I wanted to do a comprehensive review and I had already played Scythe solo and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of a cool experience. Terraforming Mars, eh, I'll check out the solo game. I think I've heard some buzz about that. And I think my wife was downstairs watching TV or something. She was probably like, hey, can I play Terraforming Mars with you? And I was like, no, I got to do this review. No, I wasn't that mean. I'm a sweet husband. Uh, but I think she was just wrapped up in a movie or something. And so I decided to break it out. And I remember getting completely enthralled by it. The solo experience blew my mind. And even more so than Scythe, I, I was flabbergasted at how engaged I was and enraptured by this solo experience that completely held my intention and had me riveted throughout and i think i actually brought up my wife like interrupted her movie and said you, you gotta come up here christina you gotta check this out this solo game is so good and i i haven't played it a ton since then but i have at least two or three times at this point because i i just wanted to play it more to to test my own capabilities i still enjoy playing it with two to three players more but that solo is totally a worthwhile experience and completely unique and, and, and standalone. Like I could see if you're someone who just wants an awesome puzzle to play by yourself and you have no one else to play terraforming Mars with you. If solo games are of interest, this is one that I could see owning for the solo experience, even though it's not strictly a solo game. Now, the review itself, some of the behind the scenes stuff. I remember that I wanted to really write a review that was that was authentic to me in all ways. And that that came true. And perhaps it's a little bit too much of me. Uh, you got all those quotes in there, which are near and dear quotes to my heart. Uh, I love space exploration. I love the idea of colonizing other planets. I've always been fascinated with terraforming ever since watching aliens and knowing that there were terraformers on this other planet before they got overtaken uh, by this colony of xenomorphs. Um, and I probably saw that movie way too young, but I remember really being fascinated by the idea of terraformers. But this uh, this review was one that I wanted to be very thoughtful and hold a game that I truly loved with all my heart to task for the things that I thought it didn't do so well. And how do I adequately say that there are bad aspects of a game that I really love. And I think I did that. I don't know. You'll have to tell me, you know, give me some feedback. Uh, send me some emails to cardboardherald at gmail.com or to Twitter at cardboardherald. Give me a, a shout out to tell me whether or not I, I did a fair and balanced review while still speaking authentically from my heart as someone who really loved this game. And I did a lot of revisions to this to try and not always use the same terminology. And I, I think this is actually the first time, uh, maybe not, but I, I think it's the first time I really 
owned the terminology thematic resonance. And I'm not sure what the genesis of that was. I'm sure that I read it somewhere or some other reviewer used it, but I really latched onto that term. And maybe in subsequent reviews, I've used it too much. I, I've actually become a little bit self-aware, not that anyone's been like, yo, dog, you got to stop using thematic resonance. But it's one of those phrases that I find myself really latching onto whether a game is thematically resonant or not, whether the actions within the game actually match what you imagine your character doing. Um, I don't know, but here is where it felt fresh and new, and I think it worked really well. And so, yeah, I don't have much else to say other than when I was finished with this review, I was very proud and felt like this was a review that represented a milestone and an accomplishment for the Cardboard Herald, a realization of what my original intent was. And reading it now again makes me want to get back to written reviews. While I really enjoy the creative process of uh, video reviews, I, I don't feel that I can have the same precision uh, and uh, thoughtful care into having a, a, a more global perspective on a game that I can in a written review than uh, when I'm doing a video review, which is more conversational at heart. So those are just some of the thoughts rattling around in my brain. Uh, I hope that anyone out there listening decides that they want to start some reviews. It's a really fun process, um, and you can do all kinds of different reviews. I've had all kinds of reviewers write stuff for the Cardboard Herald, and if you are one of those people who's never written a review before, but you think you could then hit me up. Let me know. I'll help you start a blog. You can do your own thing. Or if you don't want to bother with that, send it to me. I'll publish it on my site. And so um, thank you so much. And that's about that. Oh, I should mention uh, two things. Um, I am starting another podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, yet another podcast. Uh, it's going to be called TCBH Hangouts, where it is me with some of the contributors and friends of the Cardboard Herald, where we are just having uh, a more conversational approach, less promotional background history stuff, more just conversational about creative endeavors, not only those of the gaming industry, but just the things that us independently are working on as creative individuals. It could be about gaming. It can be about things that may have nothing to do with that. It could be musical work that we're working on. It could be uh, writing or uh I don't know, shooting video, doing whatever creative stuff, uh, but it is centered around gamers. So inevitably it's going to be predominantly about gaming in one form or another. So uh, be on the lookout. I'll put up some links when that's finally done. I'm doing that with my producer, Rob Conley of Ginger Cat Productions. He isn't producing TCBH reviews yet, but he is producing the Cardboard Herald, our flagship weekly interview show with creative gamers and game creators, uh, which I should also mention, we did an interview with Stephen Bonacore of Stronghold Games, the publisher of Terraforming Mars. So if you're interested in all things TM, you should go check out that interview as well. But uh, yeah, so that's 
the things that I wanted to talk about, you should check out Ginger Cat Productions and Stronghold Games and Terraforming Mars and all that good stuff and stay tuned for TCBH Hangout. So thank you so much for listening and hanging out and talking reviews, I guess, and I'm rambling, so that's my cue to sign off. Thanks for listening. Bye. As always, the Cardboard Herald is a completely free service focused on spotlighting games, gamers, and game creators. You can find all of our podcasts, including the Cardboard Herald and TCBH reviews, on iTunes, Stitcher, and our website. For more recommendations and reviews, you can also head over to our YouTube channel. We do not pay to advertise the show, so please continue spreading the word, following, liking, rating, and doing all the social media things. It truly does help us out a ton. If you'd like to drop us a line and maybe have your listener mail read on air, find us on Twitter, at Cardboard Herald, or send us an email to CardboardHerald at gmail.com, or click the contact link on our page. Once again, thank you for listening. I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald, and you keep on gaming. (laughs) 